Well, hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of After Further Review. Mark Ferreira, John Pelkey, Jeff Taylor with you. If you're joining us via the YouTube, if not, if you're picking up the podcast later on, happy Monday. Or uh, Facebook Live. It's face- we're, we're on Facebook Live right now on our AFR uh, site. Okay. Uh, if you say so. Um, and, and, and I didn't do any announcement about the, the, the new time today, the earlier So we're going to have time. people chiming in 30 minutes into the show, which is good because the, for the first half hour of the show, we're just going to talk about your, your daughter's wedding. That's all we're going to talk about because Mark's, Mark's, Mark's lovely daughter, Kiki, whose actual name is Taylor, but was always referred to by me as Kiki, uh, just up and got married. Sort, yeah. of, sort of eloped. Is, yeah. Does that count as an elope? Sure. Sure. What has to come into play for an elope? I always thought that an elope, when I was growing up, that to elope, you had to have been like living with your family and then just left and not told them and gotten married. But apparently yeah. you just run off to the justice of the peace or whomever. That's, yeah, you, that's you, you, you get your license. You, you do you do your wedding and uh, and uh, you don't invite anyone. I think that's right. really uh, the uh, definition of elopement. I'm not sure, but well, I'm thrilled that she's married. I'm thrilled that I have a married daughter. I've got to say, I'm just going to I'm going to lay this down here. They've made an enormous mistake and not why you think not for their relationship or anything. But the single best thing about your wedding is the gifts that you get. The money, the you know, all the stuff, the kitchen appliances and everything. Um, they've already it's got a COVID a year. It's they've a COVID got- year, Mark. Nobody was going to show up to their wedding anyway. But they would have, they could have registered the whole nine yards and just cashed in. So I'm sorry, fiscally speaking, this was an irresponsible wedding in every way. And and that's that's just not a good foot to get your marriage off on. Well, you're already dealing with financial issues, which they're not, by the way, they're not. Well, they They, are because they didn't get a lot of free crap, Mark. That's what it's about. Well, they now they're going to have to buy their own ice crusher. Now they have to get their own juicer. They, they probably, their own I think, walk. You I think they you already have it. Pay for those things. What was the last thing you said? A walk. Everyone needs a walk, but you don't mm-hmm. buy it yourself, right? You get right. it as a gift. Those are good points. Those are all. Those are all valid points. A fondue I think set, some, Mark. Do they have I, a fondue set? Just, How do you know. navigate your I adult married life without know. a fondue set? Said you know. The 1970s are calling, and they 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 want their references back. Um, you know, we had in the 1970s, Mark. You know, we had in the 1970s. Fondue, they had fondue in the we 70s. had jobs in the 1970s. <laughs> All right, so so she stopped picking on the 1970s. I love I love yeah, the ages. 1970s as dark and as you know, <laughs> uh, ma- malaise filled as they were. I do uh, everywhere. The 1970s best best decade for music, in my opinion. I know Tilt there's shirts a- and fondue for everyone. It'd be a so, better world. You, you make a good point about uh, not registering, not getting a walk <laughs> uh, for free, not getting a fondue set. You, for gotta, free. you can't stir fry on the. I'm sorry, if you're stir frying on the on the on the on the uh, top of your range, it's wrong. You need a walk. Now they'll never have a walk. I mean, they, 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 very well, they very well may have a walk at some. I'm point. not sure you're allowed. To, I don't believe you can enter a store and purchase you're a walk so, on your own. I believe the only way you're allowed to get a walk is if it is actually someone's. Uh, and, and that's probably appropriate, you know, uh, with, <laughs> with with all when everything is said and done, that's probably appropriate that you can't yeah. actually buy a walk. I think they've gotten Venmo from uh, a, a lot of the families, so they've gotten uh They've gotten some uh, decent amount of cash. They are financially set up pretty well. But yeah, over and under, oh, let's, let's, let's stay with this here for a bit because uh, I don't really want to talk about football. Uh, over and under the amount of money they got, uh, I'm going to go with the over, under at uh, 4500 4500 over or under. How much they've gotten so far? Yeah, 4500 I have no idea. But Ann Macklin, who is watching us as we speak, yep. says uh, that I need to direct message her Taylor's address and she'll get her a walk. How about well, that? I would certainly hope so. <laughs> Thank you, I Ann. I would certainly hope so. Thank you, Ann. What will you do with all the baby corn that's in your uh, in your pantry if you don't have a walk? <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't sound understand like, any of this. You sound like Jerry Seinfeld. What do you do with the baby corn? If you, you got don't baby have a walk, corn, you got to have a walk. You can't. What is it. the deal with not having a walk? <laughs> the man who invented olive loaf was hungry. 
There is no olive loaf animal that I know of. All right. Uh, so that's it. Congratulations to Taylor and um, what's the uh, what's his name? Neil. Neil okay. Candelora. Taylor and Neil. Of course I do. Neil and Taylor and Neil. Taylor and Neil. I think so, they're going to take. I think they're going to take uh, Taylor's name. So it's going to be Neil Ferreira. <laughs> wow. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're just going to, you know, like you and Jody, they're just going to probably say yes. Taylor Ferreira and Neil Gandalore. Yeah, my wife did not take my name, which and it's really funny because anytime I get uh, a card from my mother or my aunt and uncle in Pennsylvania, who I was closest to, it always says uh, Jody Chase Pelkey for my wife, even though that's not actually her name. Mm -hmm. They even put it on if they send her, because sometimes they'll send her money for birthday gift or whatever. They still put Jody Chase Pelkey, which is not actually her legal name. So in many ways, my wife has cash checks that really don't belong to her. I, I, I'm keeping a record. I could be prouder. I'm keeping be prouder of her. Well, of course, of course. All right. Um, lots to talk about NFL, uh, college football. But uh, let's go ahead and get to our progressive trivia, Mark. I hope you enjoyed this one. I, of course, did. That's all, right. all for me. I appreciate that. All right. I played 17 years in the National Football League. It's a long time. Career numbers, 2,400-plus completions, 31,000-plus yards, 210-plus touchdowns. Played my whole career for one team. And led the NFL in touchdowns, touchdowns, completions, and uh, completion percentage twice, and in yards three times. Yeah. Pretty, so uh, there you go. Pretty noteworthy career. Yeah, very, very noteworthy career. Uh, but uh, you know, not a not a not a household name. All right, let's um let's jump into everything that we we saw yesterday. Um let's let's start and end our get, Dallas Cowboy discussion yes. right now. Yes, and, and Lauren has chimed in that we she wants to talk about uh uh the Eagles that stink supposedly, but at least the they division, have three though. wins, don't they? Right they're gonna now? win the division. Yeah, yeah, they're they're gonna win the division. I don't think there's any doubt. I agree with and it's not just Colin Cowherd, who both you and I like enjoy to listen to, but the people who are just saying if you look at that division, the most settled quarterback, and and granted, he has not played uh as well as uh as he had in the past, but Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in the division. And when all else fails, when you have four pretty bad. I mean, all these teams are bad. There's some talent. Dallas has more talent. Certainly the Giants have talent problems. Washington, maybe some of the wrong talent. But, um, when you have teams that are close together, pick the one with the best quarterback. I would agree. So that's why I think the Eagles are going to win it all. But I just want to talk about Dallas last night because I actually was pulling for them. Why is that? James Madison quarterback, Ben DiNucci. Gotcha. And I spent, uh, spent plenty of weekend in Harrisonburg. But uh, they just... Uh, is in your mind? Is there any chance that Mike McCarthy goes after this year? Because they just look, you know. Again, I, a, I a, think a, a, well, guys, a third string quarterback, all of those things, throw them out. They just look uninspired, Mark. I mean, if you look at the last few years of the Packers, and you look at this year with the Cowboys, you've got to conclude that uh, Mike McCarthy coached teams play somewhat uninspired. And they're I think it's a mistake. Offensively, it's a mistake not. higher, but he'll stay there. And you know why he'll stay there? Because yeah. Jerry Jones will never admit that he made a mistake. And even if they go, you know, four and 12 uh, or five and 11, because they do have to play NFC East teams. So they're bound <laughs> to win some games right. uh, that. Um, but now they're losing those big. Right. Well, it's against the Eagles. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. Well, well, and to the Redskins, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, who knows? They may finish 4-12. and 12. And, um, you know, Dak is injured. So there's lots of things to hang sure. your hat on as to why. In the COVID it, year, it I think, work. probably my buy people. 2020, so just throw it yeah. out. Just asterisk everything. But, know? I mean, this is one, though, where, you you know, you look at the scores. And, and I mean, I think he we're should all... be gone. He, sh he should be gone now, John. I, well, you know what? At, I... at this point, without Dak, I, I would, I guess, keep him. But. I, I, yeah, I, it just Mike doesn't Nolan, seem like I mean, how good, old is Mike Nolan at this point? Uh, 111, day before yesterday. So he sent out uh, really to all the Nolan family. Older, older than he's, uh, than Katie Nolan, on father. Nolan Cromwell. All of those people we send out uh, congratulations to. Wow. It, it's just, Oliver yeah. Cromwell. Oliver, sure. Why not? <laughs> it's 2020. That's why not? I'll, return of Cromwell. Um, no, it's just, it's just to me because I, you know, you can, like I said, say, 
we've said all year. You're probably going to see inconsistencies from teams this year because of the lack of preparation and and uh, obviously injuries due to. I think that we're seeing due to guys not um, not practicing as much, not being quite there physically. But again, the eye test for Dallas for me is that they just look. They look. They start a game and they look like they're already in the third quarter. They're a little worn down. They haven't established anything. They have such difficulty on offense, no matter what. And this even goes back to Dak, in my mind, uh, yeah. just establishing an identity on offense. No, and they they have – yeah, you're right, at least at the top of the game. They, they were – remember, the two games they won, they got hopelessly behind yeah. because they approached the opening of the game the way you're talking about. They just didn't have uh, – they, they have yet to get – to hit the ground running in any game thus far this year. All right, and, so, um, and that's probably enough the, of, of the Dallas talk. Yeah, it's, I mean, you read my mind. That's enough to talk. But I think we really do need to talk about them because, again, in a, in a bad division, they're now losing badly to other bad teams. Yeah, And it, it's not all quarterback play. Neither Ben DiNucci or um, uh, uh, Andy Dalton got very much help from an offensive line. And you're seeing that with uh, – Prescott as well. I mean, I, excuse me. Uh, you're seeing that with um, uh, running back. Uh, help me. Uh, how am I forgetting? Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, you're even seeing uh, for Elliott. I mean, all, quite often the first guy he makes miss is behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's taking that stutter step. They're just getting pushed up front. It's, it, is, it, it is a brutal year if you're. Yeah, a and I don't watch them very much, but I happened to watch last night because, you know, it was it's the Sunday night game. And, and again, Danucci out of James Madison, and I have a lot of fond memories of JMU. Kind of fun to see. And just, I was just – I felt bad for him. I mean, he looked like a, a – his headlight eyes were ridiculous. Collinsworth at one point went, he looks like he's calmed down a little bit, which is, I don't think anything you want said about you necessarily in a game. Um, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't him. That, that whole team is just, there's, there's a lot wrong. It's, going it's on. brutal. It's I brutal. should be enjoying it more than I actually am. How much is going wrong with them? Um, all right, let's talk, let's talk about some of these other games. Mark, I want to give you a great deal of credit because you said you thought this week would be upset week and man, oh man, well, You're frozen. Did we at lose the John? You're frozen at the moment, Johnny. You were saying, "Wow, man, oh man," and and here's your expression. <laughs> That's what's happening. That you're like, you were you were right though. There were a lot of upsets that happened, and I think yeah. uh, locks and shocks wise, you uh, had a pretty good week as well, right? Um, well, we have to wait on Johnny shock because that was Tampa and the giants, which is tonight, but I'm sure it's going to work out just fine. My lock was, uh, that that's his lock rather. And, uh, and, um, yeah, his shock were the Bengals over the Titans. That was, that was a good one. My shock was the dolphins well, over the Rams. I thought I heard John just for a second. Yeah, it's, it's creeping back in, but I think it's you and me for, for a minute here. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh was not was an underdog against Baltimore. They won. That was that um, didn't seem right to me, though. I think Denver uh, somehow beat San Diego. Talk about talk about San Diego. You know, getting grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable how they lose late leads. Um, re seemingly regardless who coaches them, it's it's kind of sad because I like that team. Uh, but a lot of upsets. And that's as I was saying, Jeff, as I was saying, I was, you know, hoping it just stayed in the weekend. And it doesn't doesn't extend. <laughs> oh, the upsets to, to tomorrow. Yes, exactly. So um, because well, agree to disagree. Well, obviously, clearly. But um, but yeah, it was it just felt like that from the top. It just felt like it was going to be an upset weekend. I don't know why. Well, and and, and, it, and, I, it, and it came to pass. Yeah, you you uh, it, absolutely. And I could hear you guys. So I've got an unstable Wi-Fi network going on, so I may drop out again. But uh, I am plugged in uh, also. But uh, there's some issues there. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, Mark, uh, you you said it had the feel, and it certainly uh, it certainly came to uh, to the fore. For me, the most surprising one was how poorly the uh, the Packers looked against the Vikings. Yeah. Just getting 
I mean, it's in Green Bay. It's cold. And they just got pushed around by what I think we would all agree is not a very good football team in the Minnesota Vikings. But a uh, but a running back from a southern school, you know, doesn't mind the weather and it made the difference. You know, and Cook, really all Cook they did was, was run him in that game. Yeah. Dalvin Cook was the difference. And really all they did was literally run. It, it was like an old school Packer team under Vince Lombardi, where they ran generally between the tackles, pretty simple running schemes and they just pushed green bay around and with all of the other upsets you know i'll I'll give i'll pat myself on the back the bengals and the titans though yeah titans made it a little closer than i thought they would and joe burrow's numbers 26 to 37 249 a couple of touchdowns me he just continues to impress he and justin herbert i think you can say the throw out the records but those guys are showing are showing a lot but But uh, herbert and the chargers need to learn how to close they really do they can't close but just just circling back to green bay for a minute i mean we, we had them three weeks ago as the best team in the in the nfc and now i i i if if they had to play a cold weather game in the playoffs they had to play a physical football game I, you know that's that's the interesting thing about this you're talking about you know mike mccarthy and you know what what was happening there in green bay uh, just before he left he's been gone a couple of years now but they still look like a team that is not well put together no, I. Uh, you're, you're talking about the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. They just I, look I, like they're not well put together. I think they are. Um, I, I just don't think they have the roster, the complete roster yet, uh, especially defensively. And, but they, and I, they've struggled with that for a while now. They have. They, they, they've right. never seemed to be able to put, you know, they have a couple of real good high-end pieces but they're never able to f- to flesh out the roster where it, it appears as though they don't have glaring weaknesses somewhere. No, they have not been able to address that. They really haven't. And uh, I, I think it was a, I think they were what were they five and zero at one point in time or four and zero. They were clearly the worst five and zero team at the time because <laughs> and I, I, I you could kind of see through it a little bit that it, they not played very many good teams. And now they've lost to the Vikings, which is a mate. You know, that's probably the most surprising upset. I agree with you. And they've lost to the Bucks. We've talked about the Bucks and the Seahawks potentially being the best teams in the in the NFC. And I think the Seahawks, I don't think there's any doubt about how good they are. And they did lose to Arizona. So Arizona may give them some problems in the division moving yeah. forward because they're only a game back of the Seahawks and they have a tiebreaker against them right now. But at the same time, if you think about it, John, the two best teams have a, have another team in their division right on their heels right. and could, that could easily win the division. New Orleans could easily win the division, even though they struggled a bit against the Bears. And um, I, I actually think New Orleans is a more viable threat to Tampa than Arizona is to Seattle, and that yeah. might portend better for Seattle go, uh, moving on to the into the postseason. But I, I do think that there's um, – I think Tampa Bay and I think Seattle are heads, heads and tails above the well, rest let, of the let, NFC. Let me ask you this question because if you, we, we've jumped back into the uh, the uh, what was affectionately known as the NFC Norris division, the NFC North. You have a Chicago Bear team that is, in my in my mind, not a particularly good football team, but they're nipping at the heels of the Green Bay Packers at this point in time. And I think particularly what we were given yesterday from Green Bay leads me to believe that, you know, they're that, they're that, if, if Green Bay gets to the playoffs, to me, they're uh, maybe one win and out. I can't see them. They don't seem to be able to put together back-to-back good performances, even against not good teams. No, I I agree, John. The performances are incredibly uneven. In in terms of the postseason, I, I can see three teams probably winning, winning more than a game. And that's Tampa Bay, Seattle, and probably New Orleans. Yeah. But, uh, really, I I could see Arizona maybe winning a game. Uh, I could see Green Bay perhaps winning a game. Depend on who they match up against. And you know that Aaron Rodgers can sometimes carry you completely. I mean, if they play the six, nine and one, if they play the six, nine and one Eagles, (laughs) then they may beat them. But, um, yeah, I think the NFC is really the, you know, Tampa and, and I'm assuming tonight they just roll over the giants, but, uh, I know most Tampa fans don't. Most Tampa fans right now, John, are still waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
because they have just because they're Tampa fans. Yes, exactly. They have been so conditioned, so conditioned. Uh, the the entire you know out outside of maybe you know that tiny little Tony Dungy period that was capped off by John Gruden, mm. maybe a five year period, tiny little uh, John McKay period when you know from year three to year five, maybe three or four years. Yeah, and and in, you know in a forty four year history, that's all they have. And everything else is abject failure, pretty much. Yeah. yeah and it, so it, they're concerned. But I, I assume they, they pound the crap out of the Giants. And that we'll be looking at Tampa Bay and Seattle uh, heading for a – and do they play this year during the course of the regular season? They may. Uh, they very well may. That that's a that's a good question. I'm going to check it out now. Now, I, my my concern, if I were Tampa Bay, frankly – would be if I ran into uh, if I ran into New Orleans in the playoffs because those are teams that know each other very well from the same division and th- to me you've got with a veteran quarterback in Drew Brees and and to, to to the point that I think you were making earlier the Saints are very uneven as well this year I mean they've got holes they they you know they're they've just been also as, banged up too so they are but they they're just as likely to in my mind to get uh beaten by a bad team as they are to beat a good team they just seem to that's where they seem to sit and i'm i'm searching for the tampa bay uh tampa bay has uh they do not play play the seahawks okay they've got everybody else in the in that division, but the Seahawks, which seems weird. You know, when it comes to Tampa Bay, it, it's starting to look like it was Tom Brady that uh, made that New England team. That New England team. Well, here's what I think, and I, I, I think this is true. I think Bill Belichick's the best coach of the modern era, hands down. I think definitely personnel wise. I mean, the the way he moves on from people and brings in the next guy up, you're true. Though right they've there. been really bad drafting in their high draft picks for a while now. They're actually much, but he collects those lower draft picks and they find a lot of good people. But I think it's much easier. And I don't know if you agree with me or not, Mark, but I think it's, I think a great quarterback with a bad coach can look better than a great coach with a bad quarterback. I think if you have poor quarterback play, it doesn't matter how good you're, you are as a coach. And I think you can, as a great quarterback, you can rise above, at least statistically. A mediocre coach. A, 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 a mediocre coach. Yeah, let's stay away from bad. So I think what you're seeing is just you can't, you're not getting any kind of no. uh, consistency out of the quarterback. Because I felt bad for Cam yesterday yeah. because yeah. he didn't turn the ball over until that fumble at the end. Um but they're getting no consistency out of quarterback there. Uh, nope. there. And remember, and for the Tom Brady thing, remember Tom Brady dropped into a team that's not even arguably more talented than the team that he left. Oh, by far. And you could see what was happening in New England the second half of last season. They started out like gangbusters, 8-0. When they finished 4-4, four and four, they lost to Miami uh, the last game of the season. I think Miami, what, had five wins last year, four wins going into that game. Uh, this was a team on the decline, regardless. And then, uh, and then Cam hasn't been able to revive them as 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 high a hopes as we had. Well, and he looked the in the season. beginning. In yes, the beginning, it looked like we knew there would be a little bit of a rocky relationship, but it really looked like he had gotten things together. And yesterday, again, I was hopeful because he hadn't turned, he hadn't thrown the interception. He, he, he you know, his numbers weren't phenomenal: fifteen to twenty-five, one seventy-four, but no interceptions. Um, that game, uh, you got to give the Patriots credit because they only lost that game by a field goal and they were almost exactly the same statistically across the board. Really, it comes down to a late fumble in that game. And, uh, it's hard to hang too much of that on cam, but, uh, whether or not he's not throwing interceptions or whatever, whatever you want to say about him, he, they're also not getting any sort of consistency out of that offense in any way. Well, and if we want to stay in the AFC East, uh, I think the Miami Dolphins have a real chance of winning that division because I think Buffalo, if you think about it, they barely got by the Rams. They barely got by the Patriots. The Rams aren't that great of a team, and the Patriots are not a good team at all. I think Buffalo's skating a bit right now, and they're one game ahead of the the, the Dolphins with a tiebreaker. They did beat them. 
But the way that Dolphins defense is playing. But they're going to need to step up offensively because they they really didn't look very good offensively yesterday. They didn't, but it's a brand-new quarterback, brand-new rookie quarterback. He, you know, looked pretty mediocre for the most part, but it's a kind of a perfect game to throw to in where your defense and your special teams are, are, are winning the games for you. And, frankly, if, if that defense continues to overwhelm offensive lines the way they are, then he's going to be in. He, he's going to have a good situation there where he can learn uh, to grow within that system and not necessarily have to have everything on his shoulders. Yeah, I think I it's just a wonder, perfect situation for a young quarterback. It is, and now the rumor that's going around because we all wondered um, why Tua as early as they've decided to trot him out. Certainly, the the bye week had something to do with it. You always like to do that. But I guess, uh, and, you know, take this for what it's worth, but I've seen this in a number of different places. Uh, Miami wanted to get two in because they wanted to see what he could do because they have a Houston draft pick that's that could be a very high one. And the thinking is, if they bring him back, and I think it probably, I don't know if you agree or not, I think probably a lot of it has to do with if they think he's physically back versus, you know, I don't think anybody argues with Tua's uh, mental acuity to learn the offense. Um, but uh, if he's not, if he doesn't appear to be the guy, then they may they may choose to move away from him. Um, I don't think that'll happen. But, you know, for here's why yards given up is the least important statistic in a game. Yeah, is that I Miami thought. defense? That you were yeah. talking about, 394 yards they gave up in the game. Oh, I thought it was in the fours, frankly, but maybe not. Maybe they 300, got it Excuse me, 395. 395 yards. And maybe over four if you go back, because sometimes they'll if they throw in total yards, they'll throw in um, uh, special teams yards as well. But they 55 yards uh, rushing was all that the Rams had. And you're right about them. They From one week to the next, boy, talk about – wild mood swingy type of a team yeah. and and how much of that was garbage time stuff and that's what i think of that's why i said that that statistic because the 340 passing yards they got down too and they had to throw the football yeah. um they were, they were down three touchdowns it's you know it's i just don't it's think interesting. We, it's interesting about to uh to go back to that colin coward mentioned this he's he, he thinks he whiffed on tua because he was he was saying that Tua is one of the best out there draft him as high as you can yeah. And he said, well, as I look at it right now, as I look at it, smaller quarter, because he's he's a smaller guy. Yeah, he's not a huge guy. Is. Um, you know, that kind of size, you need either a big arm or you need the ability to wiggle out of situations. You need to be to be a scrambler. The only quarterback, because you go back to Tarkenton, you go to Michael Vick, you go to Russell Wilson. Uh, Kyler Murray, they all have the ability to either have a big arm or this major wiggle room. They 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 know how to scramble. Right. They know how to extend a play. The only quarterback in his mind that's short, you know, at six feet or maybe a little below, that doesn't have a big arm and doesn't have any real wiggle ability is Drew Brees. Right. So essentially, Tua needs to be Drew Brees. Right. That's for, for, for this to happen, and that's a that's a. A, a bit of an ask. Right. Well, the point, you know? the, the big point is it's that whole thing about, you know, po- uh, point guard that can uh, create his own shot for short quarterbacks. To your point, they have to create their own throwing lanes. So it doesn't necessarily mean they have to take off downfield, a la, a Kyle, which Kyler Murray can do so well. But they have to be able to buy some time in the pocket or move within the pocket. Um, I think Tua can do that. He wasn't asked to do a lot of that at Alabama. I think one of the problems for these guys who come out of these big, the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world and these teams that just dominate is they're just not asked to do that much. Right. And uh, uh, they don't have to. Yeah. And I think this goes back to years ago, Era Parsegian telling me at the ESPN club that. Texas wide receivers didn't hadn't had a lot of success in the NFL because Mac Brown bought in all these guys who were just these physical freaks and quarterbacks. They didn't have to even run good routes. Quarterbacks just had to put the ball up in the air and that they were such great athletes. But when they got to the NFL and now all of a sudden everybody's a great athlete and the schemes are more um, uh, more diverse that those guys didn't didn't adapt well. So it is going to be interesting to see with Tua. I watched good portions of that game. You know, I stay on the red zone, but I came away from it thinking I have, I know no more about Tua right now than I did before the game. 
No, honestly. and again, it's one of the, one of those they win. games where yeah, they got a big win, and I you know I think it's a perfect game for uh, his first start in the National Football League. I think right now the way the Dolphins are set up defensively, special teams, um, I I think it's the perfect opportunity to put in your rookie quarterback and especially to your point, because I think I agree with you with this, if they're really using the last half of the season to take a good look at them and to see yeah. if they've, if they really have what they think they have. And if they do, and they'll get a good look, you know, they'll have nine yeah. games or so to, to, to find out. So right. if, if they get a good look and they decide, no, well, they're fine. They're in, they're in fine shape because they're going to have a, a very high draft pick. They're going to have two number one picks. And they could uh, package those together to maybe get the number one pick, uh, which may not be Trevor Lawrence now because of COVID. He's fallen. He's fallen in the Heisman race, ladies and gentlemen. You, you heard it here first that he would be a bust. He's now fallen in the Heisman Trophy race. He is Peyton Manning without the NFL success. That's all I'm going to say. That's who I believe him to be. Let's do the progressive and then I come back and I want to ask you a question, Mark Ferreira, about yeah. Tua and these Miami Dolphins, which I think I- is a... I think it's a valid question to ask as we move forward. All I right. played 17 years in the NFL, career numbers 2,400-plus completions, 31,000-plus yards, 210-plus touchdowns, whole career for one team. Led the NFL in touchdowns, completions, and completion percentage twice, and in yards three times. Got a great arm. People forget. Played in the Pack 8 Mark. Yep. We love the Pacific Coast Conference, and why yeah. is that? That's because they actually, the name of the conference is indicative as to how many teams are in the conference. So That's if right. there's eight teams in the in the PAC conference, it's called the PAC-8. If there's 10, which there were, uh, I think, back in 1978, it expanded to, uh, to 10. And only five, six years ago, it expanded to 12. So it was PAC-8, then it was PAC-10, and now it's PAC-12. Right. Conversely, other conferences that have a number in their name – don't seem to do this. Uh, the Big Ten, John, for instance. How many teams are in the Big Ten? 34. Exactly. Big 12. How many teams are in the Big 12? Two. Exactly. And neither one of them are going to get to the college football playoffs because, of <laughs> no. course, Oklahoma State loses yesterday or over the weekend. Of and, course they uh, do. Of course they do. They're, they, they are the equivalent to the, to the Pac-12 as well. But Pac-8. Might open the door means- for Oregon. Might open the door for Oregon even with seven games, depending on what happens. There may not be enough teams with two losses or less by the end of this season. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, certainly a big game next week. A couple of big games next week. Uh, Florida, Georgia, and yep. Clemson, Notre Dame without right. stands Trevor Lawrence. Let me finish the progressive trivia because I hadn't given the rest of the clues. The other was a first-round pick, third overall. I did not know that, actually. I did not either. And uh, NFL MVP and multiple Pro Bowls out of this guy. So there you go. That's your uh, progressive trivia. Here's my question, Mark. Yeah. This just just, just occurred to me. Uh, we both agree that the Miami Dolphins, It would we would not be shocked, even really terribly surprised, if they can wiggle into a, a, uh, a playoff spot. As a wild card team, I think they're certainly well in the mix right now uh, for that. So much talk. We discussed this. We discussed it with Derek Abbott. When you have a rookie quarterback, if he's not doing well, does it destroy his uh, confidence if you pull him? If the Miami Dolphins find themselves in a playoff game and one that's close and he's not playing well, do you pull him for fits? Because, and you know, let me just throw out the caveats that we should be thinking about. Um, Miami, clearly, if you're a playoff team this year, people may not admit this around the team, but you're ahead of schedule. I think you would agree that would they would find themselves far ahead of schedule, at least a year, maybe two ahead of where they thought they would be. Absolutely. Can you do that? Would you do that to the guy in that situation? Uh, Probably not. But remember that even good quarterbacks have been pulled in playoff games where they're not performing well. Joe Montana was pulled in a playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings in 1987 in the middle of his Hall of Fame career, pulled because he threw an threw a pick six and was not playing well. Uh, at the same time, if you've seen Tua the whole year and he's uh, improving, gradually improving, and you've made the decision because by the time the playoffs come around, I'm sure the organization and, and Flores will have made the decision to stick with him and or jettison him mm-hmm. if they've made the decision to stick with him because he's improving every week or at least uh, having an arc of improvement to some degree. Um, I think you probably keep him in. If, if you know you're going to jettison him, 
then maybe you take him out, you know? Well, sure, if you know you're going to jettison him. But I'm just assuming you're not going to jettison him. You've gotten there. And the Montana thing, that, that's kind of the point, is the, the veteran quarterback like that, yeah. you don't worry about it. Joe Montana's already got two rings by 1987, I guess. Uh, he's, you know, at that point, arguably already a Hall of Famer. So you're not going to destroy Joe Montana's confidence. You might piss him off. But that's that that's a different thing. It's just that destroying of the confidence thing. I just wonder if you if you've ridden to a and he's played, you know, well, well enough to get you the victories. But then you find yourself in a game where, you know, if, as we I know, mean, Fitz can heat up. Let me ask you this, though, John, if 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 Tua's gotten him to the playoffs and then is just stinking up the joint in the playoff game. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's going to make him lose his confidence more? Just his p- overall play or the fact that he's gotten benched? I mean, I, these, 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 these guys are pros. That's another, that's another question, though, because, you know, you've heard coaches talk about the fact that it's like we don't want to leave him in there because we that, don't want his exposure to be nothing but negativity. Right. That's, what, that's also a very valid call by a coach. That is also part of that decision is weighing the confidence level of, of their rookie quarterback. Yeah. So pulling him may help keep his confidence intact to some degree, as opposed to shattered, which could be the case. We'll see. I mean, two, it was his first game, turned the ball oh, over yeah. his very first, his very first uh, attempt. Made a, made a wonderful throw and he had a great, better catch on the other end, frankly, but made a, made a nice throw and he's known for his accuracy. To your point, the downside of his throwing is he doesn't have the huge arm, but neither did Drew Brees. And I think no, sometimes he has to be Drew Brees. He has to be yes. Drew Brees to, uh, <laughs> yes. to and I sometimes believe not, not the, too big of an ask, right? That's all. That's all we're asking you to be. We're not that's asking all. you to be Tom Brady. No, no, no. Just asking you to be the guy who's almost as good as Tom Brady. We're asking you to be one quarterback of all the quarterbacks out there. (laughs) Yeah, because I think the big arm thing is overrated. You don't throw deep outs every flip and play. And I think his arm is clearly big enough to do that. His accuracy is good, but he he is. It's like like I said, I I didn't learn that much about him. No, no. I mean, he's a gamer. I know that about him. He's smart. He's got all the intangibles that you want. Um I and think he's he did in a perfect situation at the moment. I really do. I mean, I really think he's in a perfect situation All right. because he's got a strong team around him. All right, let's take a, let's take a quick break here and do uh, our next set of progressive trivia clues, and then we'll move on, talk more about football, maybe a little about NCAA football, because, again, a couple of big games coming up. Uh, opportunity for a program that's always overvalued to uh, to perhaps step up in, in – as good a situation as they could hope for going into the game this coming week. And I know you know who I'm talking about. All right, played 17 years in the National Football League. Career numbers, 2,400-plus completions, 31,000-plus yards, 210-plus touchdowns. Played my whole career for one team. Led the NFL in touchdowns, completions, and completion percentage twice. Yards three times. Played in the Pac-8. First-round pick, third overall. NFL MVP, multiple Pro Bowls, our next set of clues. Played 14 years on the senior PGA, now known as the Champions Tour. Hold the record for most years between U.S. Open golf appearances. Mark, I loved this clue. He made the cut one year. You you know, he obviously fine golfer. Went year in and year out, tried to qualify. Qualified one year, and then he got cut, actually. He didn't make it to the weekend. And then did not qualify to play the first two rounds again for 22 years. Remarkable. I know. He was a color analyst for Super Bowl 13. Wow. Super Bowl 13. That's the, uh, the Raiders, right? Is no. That, uh, no, that's no. the that's the Rams and the Steelers. Uh, it's the second. It's actually the Cowboys and the, uh, and the Steelers. It's the 78 season. It's the Super, Super Bowl 30. That's 70. And that game... Up to that point in time, was considered the best game I think in in a Super Bowl. Yeah, that, that yeah. was a great football. That's it a was like thirty five, thirty one, something like that. And Dallas had the ball in the end with you know with an opportunity. Jackie Smith dropped that touchdown in the end zone, right. but I had no. It was Kurt Gowdy and this guy never played in the Super Bowl, but my son in law was a starting quarterback in one. And he How shouldn't have. That? He shouldn't have been in that Super Bowl. That, no. That 
No, he shouldn't have. Not one of the greatest travesty, travesties of uh, NFC Championship uh, history. Oh, my gosh. It would, what would have been a phenomenal football game was turned into one where we turned it we off at halftime. Yeah, we turned it off. Turned it off at halftime. Best part about that Super Bowl is Kiss played the uh, pregame. So just uh, remember that. All right. Um, we'll probably get back to a little bit of uh, professional football because we do need to talk about Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Um, but, uh, but I do want to talk college football for just a minute. As we go into the this next week of college football, everything that we've said is still the same. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State have separated themselves. Penn State gave Ohio State some things to think about. But that's the most difficult game, really, that you're going to see from them moving forward. I think they do play a Michigan State team that pulled off a nice upset over a Michigan team that's beginning to look more and more like inconsistency is going to be their calling card. Frankly, that was that was not a good loss for them. That was a no loss, obviously, within within a conference is a good loss. But that was, boy, real shocking for the weekend. Um, they have to play Indiana. Who knows what Indiana does? That's true. Them. They play them this week. Number 13, Indiana. They're athletic. They're well coached. Um, but so, this will be the game that they win. This will be what, uh, you know, this will be the Harbaugh. He'll get the win and we'll start talking about them being viable again. And then they'll drop another game. But uh, we want to talk about Notre Dame because they're the number four team in the country. And you and I both watch you. You are a Notre Dame fan. I used to be a Notre Dame fan. Um I actually don't dislike this Notre Dame team at all because I, I think that uh, I just sort of like the makeup of uh, the players that I've seen uh, interviews with and stuff. They just seem to be guys you could really get behind. Um, they're a good football team. They are not great. You and I both have been unimpressed even in their wins. Um, but they get Clemson this week without Trevor Lawrence. Um Clemson looked pretty good against Boston College. Defensively, early, though, they looked really shaky. Boston College moved the ball on Clemson incredibly well. Um, Notre Dame is like an SEC team in and of the fact that when they do lose a game, they never drop as far as they should. And when they beat somebody, they always climb up the ladder higher than they probably should. We like to overvalue them because they are they are a good team to have in the mix, clearly. If they if they don't show up to to quote a favorite uh, a favorite quote with an expletive of, of a friend of mine, if they shit the pool in this game without Trevor Lawrence, they don't necessarily have to beat Clemson, because I think we would both argue Clemson is a more talented team top to bottom. Notre Dame has nowhere near that depth. Notre Dame has more speed than they have the last time they found themselves on the, on a national stage against a number one team. But they're still not. They don't have the depth of a Clemson. If they don't show up in this game, mm-hmm. um, what what are your feelings about Brian Kelly and Notre Dame overall? I mean, sort of the same feelings I have about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. You know, he he gets them to a certain level, and he's kept them at a certain level. Mich- Michigan was sort of a moribund uh, program before he got there, and he's kept them in a top fifteen, top twenty type thing the whole time. Colin and Cowherd argues Michigan is where they should be, that this is what Michigan is, given the academic uh, rigors of the school and the fact that they are overshadowed by Ohio State. And in some ways, Mark, they've been overshadowed by Wisconsin for a bit as far as teams on the national stage. Well, I would. that's why I would say that it's very similar to Notre Dame because it's the same thing. Notre Dame is probably in the Brian Kelly era where they should be frankly, because of the academic standards and the same things that you can apply to Michigan, you can apply to Notre Dame. So I think basically that's who they are. Yeah. And if the, the problem with losing big badly against Clemson is that we just saw Boston College. Now, granted, it was the freshman's first start. Now he's got a comeback under his belt, yeah. and uh, he's got a second start coming up. Um, but if they don't at least perform – somewhat admirably or somewhat close to what BC was able to do against them, then people are just going to think, all right, well, here they, here they are again. Because every time, if you think about it in the Brian Kelly era, whenever they've had to play a top five team, they've gotten crushed. Yeah. They've gotten absolutely crushed. Right. So it sort of wouldn't surprise anyone. uh, If, if they fell, you know, do they fall out of the top 10? I doubt it. Just like Georgia fell one spot when they lost. 
to the number two team, and Miami fell, I don't know how many, six spots when they lost to the number one team. But, um, yeah, they'll, they'll fall to number eight. You know, Notre Dame will go to eight. If they get crushed, if they, if they play them tough, they'll fall to five or six. I think it's going to be tougher coming off the Clemson-Boston College game because what I really think happened yesterday, or excuse me, Saturday with Clemson, to my point is I think it was hard for Clemson to get fired up for Boston College. Um, that's why I think defensively BC came out and right. uh, they look, BC looked well coached. Uh, their quarterback's making good decisions. They were pushing Clemson around a little bit. And I got the sense that, you know, you're coming in with your backup quarterback. It's Boston College. You can roll out of bed and you're going to beat them. And I think maybe that may have refocused Clemson. And I don't think there's any way that they can take, well, they clearly can't take the number four team in the country, no matter who that is at any point, um, lightly. But I really, really think Dabo Sweeney coming off of what he, the, the best thing he can do is show the first quarter of that game to, uh, to his defense and just say, look, Notre Dame is more talented than Boston College. Um, and they just have come more- out, you know, don't come out like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Come out like the Clemson Tigers usually come out. And you're right, John. Once they once they woke up, once that defense woke up, they shut BC down. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I you can say, oh, well, they made adjustments. They, I, I really do think it just came down to the fact that it's going to be hard if you're Clemson week yeah. in and week out to get fired up for Boston yes. College, for Georgia Tech for Wake Forest. They almost got upset by Syracuse, yeah. I think, last year or the year before. There's always one of those games. Ohio State suffers the same thing because it's this, this yawn after yawn after yawn game. Yeah. Uh, just w- one more thing to wrap it up with Notre Dame. I just look at the teams that are just be- beneath Notre Dame, and I try to envision them playing the Irish. And if I look at the teams that are really close, Georgia, Cincinnati, Texas A&M, Florida, really, I think – of those schools, I think in my mind, Notre Dame is favored in maybe two of those four games. Maybe against AM and, and against Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati, clearly. yep. That but I don't it. think they're I don't think they're favored against Florida or they're favored against uh, Georgia. Um, but this would be this would be big. And I'm again not a Notre Dame fan, but as a guy who's losing interest in college football because I don't need to see another Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson national championship, go Irish. I am so behind them. Um, Um, It is interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, I I agree with you about the – where they'd be favored, where they wouldn't be favored against those particular teams. Cincinnati's a great story. Uh, Texas A&M, why why do people, John, why is everyone saying Texas A&M has a path? To the college football playoff. I don't get it. They're in the West, aren't they? They're in the West. They've already lost to Alabama. Uh, yeah, Unless they're I'm not wrong. playing. I don't know how they get to even the championship game. And if they can't get to the championship game, I mean, I guess well, a one they loss. Could, they, could, they could go one. They could stay as a one loss because this happened to uh, somebody a, a Alabama, couple of years ago. I think it happened uh, yeah, to Alabama. Yeah, it happened to Alabama because Auburn beat them and Auburn went to the thing. Yeah, they could stay with one loss. And if they I were think. able to beat, uh, you know, a seventh ranked Florida, they, they beat a team, the Florida team that's now ranked, I believe, seventh uh, and looks pretty good. A uh, couple more wins under their belt. And with, remember, we have to take now the Big 12 and the Pac 12 out of the. Out of the, out of the mix, mix, essentially. Right. So, so it, it, it is a possibility. And boy, if anybody needed Three SEC teams in Ohio State, ugh, <laughs> ugh. <laughs> but that That's might right. not happen. I think Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame, frankly. And I think uh, uh, I think they'll probably beat them by d- double digits, maybe maybe small double digits, maybe 10. Um, and I think they'll, they're going to stay number one. You know, they, if you beat the number four team with your backup quarterback, you're going to stay number one regardless. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, uh, you know, go Notre Dame, go Irish. God, I said that. How about that? I cheered for the Cowboys and and the Irish within a week. 2020 is the worst year. It is. I'm wondering if you're going to cheer for someone we wouldn't think about, uh, tomorrow. No, uh, no. (laughs) I'll be cheering for everybody that you think I'll be cheering for clearly tomorrow. All right, let's do the answer to our progressive trivia, and then we will, uh, you know, we'll chat a little further, and we'll get out of here because, Mark, you still have paying job work to do. 
I do. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I do. It's a busy. This is a very now, busy day for me. John. Let me ask you this. I haven't had a busy day like this. You know, is since, this money? Is this what you're doing today for this gig? Is this more money for you or is this part of the job you're already been paid for and you just have to do more of it? Uh, no, this is more. This is more money. This Sweet. is coach. This is coaching up, uh, you know, some of these thespian kids. But then later tonight, I do some editing and that's part of the gig that's already been established so all that right well that won't be i won't be earning any more money i will be earning you know uh, ho- hopefully a, a a good reputation for what we deliver to them it's essentially all we're earning uh, now is good reputation yeah yeah it's um, all it's all an investment in the in the you know in the murky perhaps short future of ours <laughs> i've got it by the way i was just curious how do you feel about my performance in spring awakening uh that was available for you to uh to rent to support me this weekend how did that uh, i didn't have it- a chance to, i didn't have a chance to uh lay down the money to uh to see it. that was my my time was uh thanks thanks for I, I didn't i didn't i didn't see it john I'm, thanks I'm for so your support sorry. thank you did you did you see yourself doing it i did Oh, you did? Yeah, I did see it, and and it caused it caused a, a huge, huge uh, argument with my wife afterwards because you know I don't worry, I don't watch my work. Um, yeah, well, I'll wrap this up in a second. Let's let's give our progressive trivia answer first. Played seventeen years, career numbers twenty four hundred plus completions, thirty one thousand plus yards, two hundred and ten touchdowns. I played my whole career with one team. I led the NFL in touchdowns, completions, and completion percentage twice. Touchdown, excuse me, yards three times. Played in the Pac-8, Stanford. First-round pick, number three overall in 1957. Uh, NFL MVP, multiple Pro Bowls. Played 14 years on the Senior PGA Champions Tour. Also played uh, on the golf team at Stanford. So, uh, very good golfer. Uh, hold a record for most years between U.S. Open appearances. 22 years, 1959 to 1981. Uh, I was color analyst for Super Bowl 13. That's the second Cowboys Steelers Super Bowl, one of the best of all time, with the great, great Kurt Gowdy. Uh, never played in a Super Bowl, but my son-in-law was a starting quarterback in one. That would be Chris Chandler for the Atlanta Falcons. And that should have been the Minnesota Vikings. The answer is... John Brody, one of your guys. The- John Brody, the first court, the, the first NFL player that I really, really loved was John Brody because that was the year, and I, I was a little behind the eight ball. I was at, uh, about nine going on ten when I started following the 49ers, you know, every game. And that was his, uh, that was his MVP season in 1970. Yeah. So uh, he was, and he was an old guy. He was an old quarterback at that point in time. He was in his mid-30s and uh, – the San Francisco 49ers, they only played 14 games back then, but the San Francisco 49ers uh, offensive line only allowed eight sacks that year. And if you think about it, if you remember wow. the 1991 Washington Redskins, I think they only allowed eight sacks of Mark Rippon in two more games yeah. in 1991. I want to say hello to my father. I think my dad is watching after further review right now. That's Bob Ferreira saying hi. It's not my son. No, I, Yeah, my I know. Dad. It's oh, it's Nana. It's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I was thinking, man. How about that? How about Dad Nana, checking in? Because Nana coming care. in, he couldn't care clan, about the show. Coming in clandestinely, so that when I start getting when negative things start coming out about me, it's from your dad now, and I assume both your parents hate me. God, they're just they're they're working me. They're working my last. So anyway, jumping back uh, to to what was asked about uh, Spring Awakening, I did watch the video and I want to congratulate everybody at Theater South. Uh, Charlie, who is our editor and music director, was able to put this thing together and really did an amazing job, given the fact that we filmed mostly on our own at home. There were a couple of things at the theater distanced with masks. But um, but I had to watch myself perform, which is absolutely it's hell for me. If there is a hell, and there's not, that's all. It's all a fairy tale. Um, if there is a you hell, like a fire, John. I thought we established that. <laughs> well, there is a there is that for certain sports fans, but okay, uh, you I know, see. outside of I that, see. I would certainly hope that for Yankee fans, there is some sort of hell. But it's a it's a man made construct of some sort. Um, but uh, so I, I watched it, and uh, and my wife was very generous in her praise for me, which, as you know, is generally not the case. It's generally otherwise. I generally get a long series of notes after any project that I've done, and and I'm asked to contemplate the error of my ways, um, and rightfully so. Yeah, and and you know, I'm just so uncomfortable watching myself, and I don't know how you feel about that. You probably enjoy watching uh, your performances. It just I it like just it if me. I'm if I'm doing well. Well, see, I can't. 
objectively tell whether I'm doing well or not. And so I, you know, she, she's like, did you, did you enjoy any of it? And I said, there's not a moment on there that I wouldn't have done differently given the opportunity. So then that started a big thing about why can't you be, and she did say, why can't you be proud of your work? And I said, pride goeth before the fall. Well, and uh, good, good response. Yeah. But uh, not the response she was looking for. If you wanted to have a peaceful evening. (laughs) Nope. Nope. But it was a lovely night last night in the sunroom sleeping. So I'm, you know, kind of hoping the temperature temperature will stay down. Um, All right. So gorgeous day today in Florida, by the way, Pittsburgh and Baltimore before we get out of here. Pittsburgh, the, the game of the week, we hadn't really, really talked. We hadn't talked about it very, very much. Baltimore, 457 total yards in that game to, to 221 for Pittsburgh. Um, 28 to 24, uh, the Steelers win the game. Uh, Lamar throws a pick six. I believe on his first throw was a pick six or very early on. Um, another a bad interception. He seems to have plateaued a little bit. There is discussion throughout the league on whether or not it's him or if perhaps the offense has been figured out a little bit yeah. and that they need to maybe make adjustments there. I think it's probably. Anytime the quarterback is the leading rusher, to your point, John, yeah. the offense is not firing on all cylinders regardless. Now that said, the 7-0 and Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, how about that? In your mind, are they the best team in the AFC? I think so. I well better um, than I. I don't. I, I would not I take them over Kansas City in a playoff. I would not. I would not take them over Kansas City either because Kansas City is the reigning Super Bowl champs and they uh, are playing very well. And until yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I can't. I can't say that, John. But I will say that they're the best team in the division. And I will say that they're the second best team. And you may even get an argument with some people that say they're one A and one B mm. to uh, to Kansas City. But yeah, what they've done so far is impressive. They have found a way to win games. Yeah, and they are. Uh, and they've done it with all. They've done it. Uh, they're pretty complete. Uh, they they're really are, and to team. the point where our good friend Colin Cowherd, who may or may not be our good friend, but who is basically says he thinks their biggest obstacle to overcome is the fact that as a, as a guy who likes to go downfield, a bit of a gunslinger is a bad Ben Roethlisberger performance, which we have seen where he's not performing particularly well because they are really solid on both sides of the football. They really are. And as Derek Abbott was bringing up, you know, Juju hasn't even been that big a part of the offense. Uh, he's had a couple of big games, but you know, if they, if they even get more consistent offensively, this is a fun team. This is a fun team. They're they're pretty complete, and um, their defense is better than Kansas City's. There's no doubt about that in my mind. I think defensively they're better than Kansas City. Well, and I mean, I think the 49ers were de- defensively better than Kansas City in the Super Bowl, but a lot of good that did them. <laughs> well, Mahomes so, is a different. I mean, it's just a different animal and a different. Uh, you know, he he and Russell Wilson to me are the are the two quarterbacks that are the most. Uh, consistently difference makers in their game, even more so than than a Ben Roethlisberger or a Drew Brees. At this point in time, it's Mahomes and Wilson, and it's for what Derek Abbott talks about, is their ability to play off schedule and off script, which, uh, yeah, exactly. You don't get that, it from other guys as much. No, um, you do get that a little bit from Ben. Um, you do get that a little bit from Ben, but he's not the Ben of – Four or five years ago, he's not. He can't just shuck off people all the time. Like and that shuffling, the thing that he did in the pocket that he was so good, and it was that thing that Marino could do as well, which was uh, economy of movement, being able to take one to two steps. And part of it, to your point, Mark, is he's such a big, strong guy that if a guy just gets an arm on him, he could generally shrug him off. But uh, you know, his footwork back then, being able to just buy some time in the in the pocket, is not what it what it used to be. And I think that's probably leads to maybe trying to force a throw here and there or having periods where he looks a little inaccurate. Well, uh, we also have to go to uh, what Lenny has been saying, which is I think weeks six through nine in the Tomlin era. I think they've lost one game uh, in his entire career with the Steelers, which I find I, I don't understand that. But now when we're getting out of week nine, you know, do, does Pittsburgh revert to some of those same patterns that Lenny knows all about? Yeah, they're at Dallas next week, so I don't think they're going to have a problem there. That's week nine. So now week 10, now that they're out of that zone where they seem to win every game in the middle part of the season, they're next. uh, They host Cincinnati. 
Now that could be a trap game, especially the way Cincinnati's playing. They're 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 a little sneaky. They're yeah, they're, and, and Burrow looks like the real deal, and he can get yeah. hot. And they don't, and they have no issue with Joe Burrow throwing the ball a lot. They don't have to hide him at all. And they have been, in even games they've lost, they have generally uh, been hanging around and have been competitive in those games. So yeah, that's not that's not an easy out. Then they play Jacksonville, which should be an easy out. And then I think maybe they have a bye that week. I'm not sure. No, that can't be right. Um, oh, I see. They're playing. Oh, then it's, of course, another Baltimore game at Pittsburgh. This Yeah, time. and I think oh. I would I, I will say this about Pittsburgh. For all of this talk about maybe they're good. They did give up 457 yards to Baltimore yesterday and really take the pick six out and Baltimore wins the football game. So on the positive side, glasses half full, Mark, to your point, Pittsburgh finds ways to win. Special teams, defensive sport, on ways to win. The glass is half empty side is to your biggest opponent in the division. You gave up almost 500 yards. Yeah. So I, I and, and it wasn't a situation where it was like a lot of garbage yards. Not at all. In, in, in a comeback. I mean, they, they, they do. They are a bit of a bend, don't break defense, though. We know that about them and they are opportunistic, but still the best, uh, rivalry in football. And, uh, I really do think, though, that John Harbaugh and the offensive coaches, for the Baltimore Ravens need to go back to the back to the drawing board and take a look at right. Although they didn't have 450 yards, so they did have 450 yards, but they're going to have to cash in. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. You got to cash in. You got to cash in and, and run and, production uh, as we like to call and it. Minimize right. the mistakes. And that's where Steelers are great. They are, you know, they take advantage of those mistakes. They force those mistakes and they're a bend, but not break defense that can get away with it because of that. Yep. Uh, yep, I agree with you. All right, uh, before we get out of here, Mark, uh, any final thoughts? You're now you now have a son-in-law. I do. You know, as a matter what of fact, responsibilities uh, does that lend to you? Do you are you responsible with something, or is he responsible with something? Can you hit him up for a loan now? Yeah, he's, the, he's the one that's okay. responsible. Yeah, he's right, the one. Enough. Yeah, now, and uh, it's it's interesting because back in 1989, uh, myself and my now ex-wife. We're doing a play with Joe Candelora, directed by Betty and his wife, Candelora, at the Plantation Dinner Theater, which is now part of the convention center. It was torn down years ago. And, Immediately following uh, your show. It may the, have been. May in, have the been second, right. in the second act of, I believe, uh, opening night, it was like, what the? And just tore the place to Chapter the ground. Chapter 2. It was, yeah, it was in the middle of a hotel. I mean, uh, I tell you, so, I went to see a production of Chapter 2, and I felt afterwards they should just set it on fire and burn it to the ground with every animal that was responsible for that piece of shit production. Hey, Lopes takes an inside pitch. Sorry. It's always Davy Lopes. I don't know why it's always Ron, Lopes. Say, He's always know why Lopes Ron say doesn't get a, get a, get a chance. Cause I, say was the one that looked back at the, Oh no, it wasn't say it was Hodges that looked back <laughs> to see Howard Hughes. Uh, no, but that's it. Yeah. We were doing <laughs> chapter two Yeah, and little did we know. And Betty Ann was pregnant at that time. Little did we know that our director, as we're doing the show, was pregnant with our future son-in-law. So it's well, pretty, pretty remarkable, pretty fun, and I'm very happy. Very low happy. Low-interest loans in your future, hopefully, because, you know. Oh, uh, obviously. You're made now. You're made guy. <laughs> You're just a made guy. All that, uh, all that Beatlemania cruise money, it's all flowing into your bank account as well it should since i'm watch out though i'm the source of all of that from back in the day you know it's going to happen though murray wilson's going to get involved and this thing's going to get ugly that's an in joke for everybody out there who mark knows what it means he's we he's 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 there's there's been some weaning of that a little all right good i heard that uh that beatles bands uh starting to have a little bit of chaos now that uh john got married yeah yeah there Yoko it is. Now he's Paul. He's Paul, and Paul was, Paul didn't bring Linda into the studio. Oh, she was a big. She was as big a problem. Coming in with her camera, taking pictures of everybody. Come on, yeah. you know that yeah, was when, a big deal. Hey, well, when you ask Jagger what broke up the Beatles in the Ruddles movie, he says women. Pardon me for asking, but who's the woman with the camera? Isn't there any time we can get away without having a picture taken? Oh, sorry, she's with me. Well, I understand she's with you. She wouldn't be in the in in the, in the recording studio, Paul. Oh, no, it's always fine, you know, because if she wasn't here, she'd be elsewhere and we would be together. And then that would be a thing. And, and, and John would be here. I don't talk about me when I'm here. Anyway, that's it. Nice job. That's I all I got. 
I think we should have a, a conversation between Vin Scully and uh, John Lennon sometime later in the future. All right. Fair enough. We will do that. Vin Scully meets John Lennon as Vin discusses the fact that uh, he's glad John's gone. Evil. Evil Vin. Yeah. Yeah. I never cared for him. I preferred the songs of George Harrison. And where was Vin Scully on December 8th, 1980? Where was anyone? A good question. Well, the Dodgers were in New York that night. Oh, crap. That doesn't help. Jesus. I'm getting to the bottom of something. All right, everybody, have a good good day. Please uh, get out there and vote. It is your civic duty if you haven't done so already. For Mark Ferreira, Jeff Taylor, I'm John Pelkey. We'll be back on Wednesday. I'll be terribly, terribly hungover, I assume, that day. And uh, we will uh, we'll try to get to the bottom of more of this uh, Monday be, night. That'll be a fun show Wednesday. I know Monday We're night football. Up. Monday night football tonight. I don't even know who's playing. It's it's your Tampa and the Giants. Oh, Tam- well, that's why I don't that, know who's playing. That's wow. your that's your lock. That's right. Clemson meets Buholtz High School. That'll be Jesus God Almighty. If again, I I I, I, I before we go. If you combine the Jets and the Giants, uh-huh. could they finish above third in any division in football? Oh, in football. In the NFL. No. no. Who's coaching? So. Ooh. Well, I, I guess you'd have to take uh you, you, you couldn't take Gase. Adam Gase. <laughs> you couldn't take Gase. There's no yeah. No, because you would have to try to put together the best people. So they might finish the, third. They might finish third in the NFC East. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's possible. Uh, it's still, I still wouldn't take it. I'd take that bet. Yeah. I, 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 I would take that bet. With a one game, plus or minus one game, I would take that bet. All right, yeah. that's it. We're going to get out of here. Thanks, everybody. Right. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Wednesday.